What's up, everybody, and welcome to the iReach podcast. I'm your host, Paul Robinson, founder and CEO of Construct Reach, a national consultancy and initiative that aims to diversify the construction, design, and innovation industries and empower a younger generation. We are here merging education, industry, and culture with a variety of featured guests that you do not want to miss. So let's go. iReach. We are back for another iReach episode, and we've got an amazing guest on. We've got Mr. Tommy Whitehead. Oh, man. Tommy, thanks for joining us today, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. It is my privilege to be here. This is when, when I was invited to this podcast, I looked you guys up and viewed a couple of your episodes, and I'm like, wow, these guys are talking about some amazing topics. So I'm really excited to be here today. Oh, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But listen, man, we're going to jump right in. Um, I tell you, these 25 to 30 minutes, they go extremely fast when we do these episodes, man. And so I know you've got a ton of, of things to share, uh, but let's get right into it. Of course, we always want to to spotlight individuals, man, that have been successful, that have a connectivity to the industry of construction. That's some of the things that we're trying to do here within our organization is to bring more awareness and bring more visibility to the different career pathways that exist, but also to spotlight, man, the, the amazing journeys and the stories that, that people have as to how they got into this industry. So start us off, man, walk us through kind of how you got connected and into the industry of construction. What sold you on this industry? Okay. It, it makes perfect sense, man. I was a director of finance and accounting and hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a clear career path, right? I mean, obviously, all accountants turn into contractors. That, that's right. Yeah. So as a director of finance uh, in the Great Recession, this would have been around 2010, 2011, uh, I got laid off. So many of other professionals got laid off. Uh, I had a contact, a colleague from a prior resort that I'd worked at, and I had done the construction costing for the for a renovation that he was in charge of. He says, hey, Tommy, there's this new company out there. They're buying a lot of houses, they're flipping them, and they're holding them for rent. And it was a company called Colony American Homes at the time. It's since been sold two times, and Invitation Homes is now the owner, and they uh, they own over 100,000 uh, single-family homes in the country. So over a few years, it was about three and a half or so, uh, I learned everything there was to know about single-family homes. We're talking, uh, we're talking termite damage. We're talking pop pools literally popping out of the ground. Uh, we're talking hidden rooms where they had stills in it. Uh, we're talking people that left their entire lives there, drywall damage falling down. Uh, some houses you walk into and look pristine. It, it, I mean, everything. We even had some uh, bio, uh, biohazard situations and a couple of bodies at some point. So oh, I mean, wow. literally seeing the entire gambit. Uh, so I got educated real fast. What what usually takes somebody 10 years, it just took me a few because it's just pure quantity. Wow. No, that is, that's definitely, um, you know, quite the journey, man. Uh, so when when you when you came into this industry and you started to, to work and you started to see the full gamut of things, like how did, and it's it's interesting, you know, that, that you mentioned kind of what you started in in finance. And then we think about kind of how most people that are going to to colleges and pursuing degrees, how the majority of them don't even do work that's related to what they got a degree in. Uh, I always say that I'm I'm in the minority again um, when I, <laughs> I say that I actually went to school for construction and then I started a career in construction. They're like, oh my gosh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's cool, man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, 
you know, when you got a chance to to experience the the full array of of what construction kind of had to to offer, um, what made this like what made this the industry of of choice and, and something that you wanted to to go further into? Construction is a wealth building industry. So I had the opportunity once to meet with um, a major national bank and their diversity procurement officers. Uh, and I talked to them and they said, Tommy, this is one of the few wealth building industries. I come from a poor family. And so I've had to take care of my own education and, and, and grow myself and grow my career skills and learn all this stuff that they don't teach you in schools. I'm sure you know. And so when I, when I found out it's a wealth building industry, I'm like, okay, I, I can get into that. You can get a standard desk job and you can be happy. And, and, but this is wealth building. It allows me to do other uh, philanthropic efforts that I, I enjoy. And so when I kind of discovered that, I also discovered I like to see projects start um, and get completed. It's, it's really nice. It's a cycle that you go through uh, seeing the construction start, whether it's a renovation or a new build, and then following it through the process and seeing that transformation is really, really fascinating. And then just recently in my career over the last year or so, I've really hit into tying in uh, my identity as an uh, LGBT contractor and, and diversity, equity, inclusion in construction. Uh, into my company, which has just helped my core construction mission. So now I'm going more into uh, speaking and advocacy than I used to be, and that's kind of been fun. So it's still construction, but it's a whole new range of construction for me because it's it's getting our information and, and getting us out there invisible, and that that's fun. I love it. So you've seen kind of the um, the the progression and the evolution of your your career pathway moving more to let's call it the actual day-to-day -day construction activities to the management side of it to now being a, a thought leader um, and, you know, being able to, to speak about certain things, you know, within the, the industry and society at large. Just kinda, is that how you would categorize it? That's exactly right. After so much experience and meeting so many people, I feel like that there's stories to share. And our industry uh, is a little less progressive than, say, the arts industry or the entertainment industry or even now the finance and banking industries are much more progressive. Right now, they look at people that are a little different than the, the stereotypical older white gentleman that, that they think that's, that's a contractor, that's the guy that's construction. They don't look at all the other people. If they see one of us that looks different or if they find out I'm, like, I'm gay or they, they see Hispanic individuals show up, they're like, oh, you know, uh, is that the person I want to deal with? There, there's this machoism in our industry. And we're starting to break through, though. I mean, we're starting to get there. And just even to be having on this podcast, something like you're doing is revolutionary to actually finally be talking about DEI in the construction space is incredible. That it, 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 it's progress. It is, you know, I mean, there's still, there's still more work to be done, uh, still a long way to go, but yeah, I think with the conversation moving more into the, the mainstream sectors of society now, I think is, is definitely needed. And then the, the industry beginning to, to take notice and have conversations as well on their own about how they lean into being more intentional with recognizing the the diversity of the working demographic that is out there and how can the industry be more receptive to that working demographic and the diversity that it presents and brings and the value in that as well. So yeah, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good. So talk to me a little bit. I always ask um, our guests these, these two questions and they're like polar opposites. Sometimes we see a connectivity between the two, sometimes not. 
But I always ask, hey, what's been your your proudest moment? It can be proudest moment. It can be proudest project or what have you. But then also, what's been your most challenging moment or project or aspect of being within this industry? Um, you can answer either one, first or, or second. I always say, hey, you want to start out with the challenging and end out on a good note, or you want to talk about what's good and then what's challenging as well. But I think it's, I'll say this here, I think it's important that we talk about both ends of the spectrum, uh, especially as we live in a very kind of social media oriented society. And so what you see is a lot of what we want you to see. Um, when we're talking about the the value and what this industry presents, um, what, I, what I like to be very transparent about is that, listen, anything worth having in life is worth working for. And everything is not going to go the way that you would ideally want it for it to go all the time. But it doesn't negate the fact that it's still worth it, right? Um, and so being able to speak to both sides, and I think that's important, especially for a younger generation as well, as we've tried to create the easy button for, for everything, uh, that you still gotta, you still gotta buckle up and, and put in the sweat equity or do certain things at times because the ROI is there, right? Uh, it's worth the return that you get. So I'll, I'll let you go ahead and answer those two, those two things. Proudest moment, most challenging. Okay, I'll start with my proudest moment, which I think just happened just about two months ago. I had the opportunity to form the Pride Construction Coalition here in Florida. So Florida's having some challenges with diversity, equity, and inclusion right now. That's for another conversation. But we felt the need to advocate for LGBT individuals in the construction industry. And so there's not opportunity out there for that. There's not a lot of advocacy. There's a couple of organizations in, in mainline cities like New York or LA where diversity is celebrated and it's not an issue, but in Florida, we're having, like I said, we're having those challenges. So hosted the organization, the mayor of Tampa shows up to the organization, uh, a launch party, does a speech alongside mine, which was incredible, but even more important, as I'm walking and greeting the crowd and I'm having people stop to me and talk to me, Somebody comes up to me and says, I didn't realize there were so many LGBT individuals in construction. Thank you so much for bringing us together. I feel like I'm seen. That hit, that hit hard. It was, it was important because all of us have our own struggles. They're all different, but we all want to be seen. And that just made everything worth it. It was so rewarding. Uh, so that, that was definitely a very proud moment in my career. And I'm only going up from there. That, that's, that was just great. Um, as, as far as challenges go, there's a lot of them in construction. Uh, you're going to get your butt kicked if you get in construction. You have to learn to take a couple of punches. And then when you get up, you're going to get knocked down again. you got to take some more punches. Um, biggest challenge is devaluation. And I just, I just had a conversation with three young, diverse developers, and they got a great project here in the city of Tampa. And, and they're excited and a little nervous about it, but they're going to they're gonna do great. But I told them, I said, you know, you're going to sit there and keep devaluing yourself because other people are going to say, ah, you can't do that. Oh, you're not a big developer. Oh, you don't have enough experience. And they just are going to use any reason to kick you down. And so with me, I had the same thing. I always looked and said, oh, these are more experienced people in construction. They're better with hand tools. They're, they're older. Or they have better finance or they have something. I was constantly putting that in front of my goals and objectives, that, that disclaimer that you're not good enough to do this yet. And then finally, I got a little older, 
and I start learning and, and, and talking to more people and realizing a lot of these guys never knew what they were doing either. They just kind of <laughs> kept going. They just kind of kept going until they made it work. And I'm That's like, okay, right. I, I'm a bright guy. I'll just keep going until I make it work. Uh, not, not very spiritual, but I tell you, manifestation, it's, it's working for me pretty good right now. <laughs> I say it's going to happen. We're going to make it happen. So to, to all the individuals, especially the, the young, uh, women out there, the young men out there, the, the black professionals, the Hispanic professionals, the gay professionals, don't let somebody hold you down. Don't say somebody, tell somebody or let somebody tell you that you're not valued or that you can't do it. If you have the drive and ambition to get it done, keep pushing until you get it done. And, and you know, you say end with a negative. You said, you know, sometimes you like to end with the positive. Well, failure is not negative. Failure is a chance to learn something new and to be better at it. Yeah, yeah. No, that is good. Well said, man. I think there's a saying where, uh, you know, when I take an L, it's not a loss. It's just a lesson. Now, that is that's very good, man. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, let that be whoever's listening right now. I think whether you're you're young or a little bit more seasoned, I think we always disqualify ourselves, right? And thinking why we can't pursue something and even things that we know may need to be shored up a bit. Sometimes we overemphasize those things and we think that that's the only thing that everybody else sees. And sometimes we're actually we're actually more critical of ourselves than we need to be and we disqualify ourselves uh, because we're thinking that everybody sees what we see and it's just as magnified right uh with everybody else than it is with with us and um you know and of course you're going to have individuals out there as well that will be on that side to to disqualify you or devalue you based on who you are and um, whether it's you doing that on yourself and imposing limitations on yourself or whether others are doing that, um, you know, there's going to be on the other side, it's going to be somebody that will see value in you. Right. And it's you having to recognize that you you're good enough and uh, you're worth investing in and uh, having that belief in yourself, you know, that you can become what you have the potential to to become. And so. No, that is that's very good. I think that's just that's a life principle um, that that we just need to have, because whether young or old and regardless of industry and, and sector that you work in, um, I think that's something that we all struggle with, those internal disqualifiers. And then, of course, having to deal with uh, the external uh, individuals that may not see the the quality and the value that you truly present because of something that meets the eye that they can't get past. You're going to get a lot of no's. It only takes one. Yes, man. Hey, yes, that is, that is true. <laughs> I'm a testament to that, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, that is, that is good, Tommy. So man, listen, we are, we're getting through this man. Very good conversation thus far. When you think about the, when you think about the industry and kind of the the trajectory that we're on, we're having these conversations now, which is a sign of progress. Um, what are what are some things that you would like to see even more take place within the industry of construction as we move into the foreseeable future? I'd like to see us conquer some of these stereotypes. You know, um, you know, oh, the gay guy in my house, do I need to worry if he's looking in my bedroom? Uh, the, the black guy in my house, do I need to worry if he's stealing something? I'd like to... 
I, I mean, you know, a lot of the white collar crime is all different colors. It's a lot of whiter guys doing it. There's it, crime can happen with anybody, but but there's these stereotypes about us that we have to overcome and just realize I'm just there to get to get a job done, to make you happy with it and to get paid and to move on to the next one. And those those stereotypes are we're starting to identify, you know, we've all joked about them. Uh, and now we're starting to realize, hey, you know, joking about it starts to ingrain them. And then when they're ingrained, we kind of start to believe them. We know they're not true, but we kind of start to believe them. And then when we're making our purchasing decision, are we using those stereotypes to make our purchasing decision? Or are we using the sound financial advice, the person that had the best results, the best presentation? So getting visibility out there and getting representation, that that's what we need to change. We need to to have it out there. And we need to let kids know this. Uh, we need to let these kids know this early on. Let them know in elementary school, middle school, high school, uh, that just just keep pushing along, be out there, be visible. Don't let somebody tell you you don't belong in that space. Because if that's the space you want to be in, you belong in it. Absolutely, man. Um, no, I think that that is that's very important. You know, uh, what are what are people making decisions off of and from? And that process of having things that we we know to not be true, but having them ingrained to where we act off of those, right? Um, yeah, that that plays a large role, and then we end up having these. Uh, unconscious biases that you know we don't even know that we're operating out of and so now that's uh that's well said man thanks for for sharing that um and and definitely i mean there's there's more work to to take place within this industry but i think that we're starting to see things happen more and more um oh man so when when we think about this industry as well and getting a younger demographic because you know, we're in it. We understand there's there's so many jobs that are available within this industry. And then when you have a generation that is retiring and we're in the process now of that generation retiring out and we're not backfilling those positions at the same rate. Talk to me a little bit about maybe what you're doing or conversations that you are beginning to have, you know, to bring more visibility and awareness to a younger demographic about the opportunities in construction and also how. It's an industry that you can be very successful in whether or whether or not you go to college, right? I think both tracks offer a pathway to success, and some young people don't necessarily know that. Absolutely. So my son was fortunate enough to get into a magnet school that focuses on trades and careers. Now, he will go on to college. That's, his, that's what's right for him. He got into an architecture program, and you have to proceed. They have a lab right next door. It's an actual welding lab. The welding lab, some of those kids can graduate a welding program and a select few of them can make six figures coming out of high school at 18 years old. Say that one more time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I thought I thought about going back. I'm like, okay, just weld all day for $100,000. <laughs> so, so there's opportunities. But, you know, we have to have people hanging light fixtures and fixing pipes. We have to have people erecting steel structures. Now, we still need the engineers and the college-educated individuals, but – College-educated individuals, architects, they don't put a screwdriver in their hands to go and do work. It's a symbiotic relationship. So if you're not interested in pursuing higher education, that's okay. You know, my generation was said, go get your degree, go get your degree, go get your degree. You'll be really successful. I have a lot of friends that spent a lot of money on college to get very low-paying jobs. But they weren't – it didn't really pan out. I don't have a problem with college, and I, educate, I you know, I advocate for everybody to at least get some kind of uh, degree, something. 
because it is going to help you, even if you're in a trade. Right now, what I'm working on, though, is uh, I've got a, a three-year plan here. We want to do something creative uh, outside of Tampa or inside the area, the Hillsborough County where I live, is we want to start a construction trade school. We want to start, uh, um, it'll be a public-funded charter school, and it'll tailor high school curriculums around preparing students to immediately graduate and rather going into college to go in and go ahead and get their uh, trade licenses become journeyman electrical uh, individuals, become uh, journeyman plumbers, uh, study and get their HVAC license. And if you want, there are some options to get a couple years of college while you're in high school, paid for for free. And it can take half of or more of the experience requirement away from the licensor. So instead of having to, if you get your associate's degree in school, instead of having to have three years of, um, or I'm sorry, four years of, professional experience when you get out for your license, for a contractor's license, uh, if you have two years of college, that cuts it in half to two years that you need in trade experience. So imagine graduating at 18 and at 20, you have your, your GC license. That is kind of program there. And we want to tailor that curriculum so that it makes sense. You know, we all have to take geometry. It's a requirement here. But what makes more sense? Trying to calculate the volume of a rectangle or trying to calculate how much uh, concrete you need to pour a driveway? It's the same exact math problem. It's identical. So why can't we just change our curriculum a little more and make it more tailored to those individuals? Uh, there has been a stigma in the past is, oh, he didn't go to college, just like you said. No, not anymore. There are, there are plenty of trade professionals I know that didn't take an ounce of college, not one single college course, and make more than people with master's degrees. And so it's just about the path for you. And it, if you don't go to college, that's fine. Put your effort into training in your career field. It's still education. It's still hard work, but it makes all the difference. And, and it'll set you up for a great career path. Oh, man, that is good. Uh, you said that's a three-year plan? That's a three-year plan. Hopefully you can make yeah. it to the opening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, keep keep us keep us updated on that. That is uh, That's great. You know, and I think we need more of that. Um, like we were talking a bit earlier but we'll bring it into into the episode, man. Like we've 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 mentioned this before too. On the education side, there's been this longstanding stigma that, um, you know, there began to be a correlation between success and four year universities, right? In K through twelve education, it's always been about okay, how do we get you through the next level? The next level and then once you get to high school it's all about going to college and pursuing a four-year degree and even though it was unsaid that's when construction was presented after it was figured out that some students may not be going to pursue higher education and it became alternative um you know curriculum or this alternative route or what have you and so it wasn't presented as a preeminent choice and so therefore it became construction became this this sector this career pathway that you fail into oh you're not going to college well hey you can always do construction you know and when it's presented like that even though it should be a viable choice um and even though it presents so many opportunities and different career pathways that you can take within that sector of of construction and how it sets you up for success and it's one of the wealth building uh career pathways that you can take as well if it's not presented that way then now you don't even have a young person being excited about 
the decision that they've made to pursue it as well. And so now you have the emergence of these CTE programs that are taking place in school now, career and technical education, where they're starting to celebrate that decision to go into college right on par with going into your career. Um, and so your three-year plan, man, with that school, I think is is right on par with kind of where education is going, where society is going as well. And it's going to be so empowering for a younger demographic because now you're creating an environment that cultivates a skill set that they may not know can lead to a successful career um, and a successful future. And so that is, that's great, man. And to touch on that a little more, if you want to understand your value. So I only got an associate's degree. I just happened into a career path where I was able to learn very quickly. And then I got my, my contractor's license. But I got to have recently a conversation with a dean of college of nursing. So she's a doctor, yeah, very intelligent woman. You know, education wise, she's lapped me three, four times, head of a major university system uh, for, like I said, for nursing, we get into a conversation about affordable housing. That is one of the top points nationwide right now is affordable housing. She's talking to me, the guy that has the associate's degree and the contractor's license, talking about things about how can we solve this problem. You know, that's a doctor talking to me. That's awesome. We need exactly what she does because we need more healthcare professionals. She is highly valuable. Her education was very much worth it and she's gonna help our society. But the guy here, me with the associate's degree, I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna help it from a different angle. But how much value, so so ladies and gentlemen, when you're, when you're looking at your career choice, you are valuable just because you don't have a doctorate degree or college degree, you, you are, you're valuable. You will be valuable, just keep pushing. And it, you know, what, what, what I'm gathering here, just, just with how your career has, has evolved over time um, and what you're leading into now, one of the things that, you know, I want to ask, we bring into the, the episode kind of certain questions that we, um, that we kind of have circulating in, in our network, in our community. And one question that, that we've asked that I like to bring into the episode as well um, is this question right here. And I'll read it off to you. You can let me know kind of what your thoughts are. It says, so what's one tool that, that you use or what do you use to stay focused on your dreams and your goals, right? So how do you keep the main thing, the main thing, especially being in leadership, especially having so much on your plate? Like, how do you keep forging forward and taking care of what matters when there's so many other ancillary things that you could be doing, but that could be taken away or undermining where you ultimately want to get to? That's an awesome question. So if you want to do it in a visual perspective, and that's what we'll talk about, grab a poster board cheap dollar poster board, what's your goal? What's your objective? Write it, on the, write it on that, put that right up on the wall. Put it somewhere you see it every day. Ask yourself every day when you see that, have I done something to further that goal? But you know what? Sometimes you have to sacrifice other things to make that goal work. But you have to know what is most important to you. Is, is going and playing video games for two hours more important than achieving that goal? That's up for you to decide, it definitely is. But I like to visualize what my goals are. I have some pretty aggressive objectives over the next year. And so I did that. I started mine with a visual list of the items that I really want to accomplish. And I look at them and I look at them almost daily. And I think, what have I done today? What have I done this week that directly affected that goal? How did it make me progress? And it works. 
I had an, I have an objective to read 26 books this year. Uh, I started that uh, a few months ago. I actually started it probably around June. I think I'm already 10 or 11 books in. Uh, you know, I just set a goal and I read it constantly. I saw it constantly in front of me and, and it's helping me go. Want to speak it into an existence? The school in three years, I've started talking about it. It will happen in three years. We're going to make it happen. So set that goal. Look at that goal. Keep revisiting that goal. Don't let yourself be stopped by it. But don't let yourself be stopped by detractors. Just keep forging forward. Good, good. Well, man, thank you, Tommy. Uh, it was a pleasure, man. We got to have you do this again, especially yeah. when that school gets underway. I think that's <laughs> going to definitely be something we're talking about. But um, and it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, yeah, man, and much, much success to you. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to listening to your next podcast. Keep the mission going. People need to hear what you're saying. I love what you're doing. And if you're ever down in my market, come on, I'll take you out to dinner. It'll be, it'll be a great time. Absolutely, man. Take care. All right. Thanks. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into our show. Remember, like, share, subscribe to the podcast and join the movement as we reach to build a better future that we can all be proud of.